Hello. Hello. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Dan. How are you? Doing good. Doing pretty good. Doing good. It's a beautiful, calm, dry, clear, humid, seasonable morning in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. My kind of day. I complain, but who'd listen? That's nice. right. I got dehumidifiers now, so everything's changed for me. Dehumidifiers. Dehumidifiers, yeah. It's very humid here. Man wants to control his environment. You know, it's really nice. You put it in the bathroom after everybody's had showers, and it dries everything out. Everything dries everything out. You get down to, like, you get into the 30s in uh, relative humidity. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's outstanding. I mean, is you that, know, do you have that clocked? Well, uh, the device has the ability to shut off at a certain level. I don't oh. do that. I say just, I put it in continuous mode. And it fills up it, the little, the little pea cup in there and you got to empty 70 that 70 pints. 70 pints. Pints? 70 pints. And then you... How large is this thing, she said? Huge. Yeah? Huge. People, everybody says it. People, believe me. Believe me. People love my dehumidifier. <laughs> what color is it? It's incredible. Incredible. It's, uh, you know, it's dehumidifier beige. Uh-huh. It's kind of your standard. It looks kind of like a Mac from the 90s. Is there a brand you recommend? Or yes. Something? Yes. Uh, I can find it for your show notes. Okay. That, uh, that Amazon money adds up. It's worth, it's worth doing. No, it really, I mean, it's worth telling people about. Oh, are you kidding me? Uh, Frigidaire dehumidifier 70 pint. They, I guess not, they've moved into oh, out of refrigeration into dehumidification. Frigidaire's everywhere now. Sure. Smart cars. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Everything's up to date in Kansas City. There you go. Frigidaire, FFA. I love these names. The Frigidaire. This is, this is great. I'd love to be the, in the meetings where they came up with this. You want to get you, get you the, uh, the Frigidaire FFAD7033R1. Oh, the R1. I've heard good things. No yes. wonder you're so pleased. Yes, yes. Now, see, you could get the FAD504DWD, which is an Energy Star 50 pint, is the thing. Now, with this, you're going to get Energy Star dehumidifier. And boy, let me just tell you, brother. Woo, this thing sucks some power. Mm-hmm. Jiminy Christmas. I put a, um, I put a, uh, a Wemo insight on it sure. so I could see, get an idea like how much power it draws. Yeah. Jiminy Christmas. How many, how many Watts is this thing? It's crazy. It gets up, uh, you know, you can with the, so anyway, I'm, I'm speaking uh, crazy Swahili here. Belkin makes a thing called the, um, insight switch. And if you've got a Wemo Belkin Wemo system, um, and, and who doesn't based on episode number, Help me out. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we okay. talked about this. <laughs> yeah, we probably we probably talked about we it. We did. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, the neat thing about it, well, we must kind of weird. Like, Belkin is really, I think, a little bit half-hearted about their stuff. It's, um, it doesn't, they don't, they feel like they're in the middle of a pivot right now where I guess the market seems... Let me just say, just blame pop the stack, as John Syracuse says. This stuff is so bewildering to get into. It's so expensive. It's really easy to make dumb mistakes. And unless it's weird because like you want to make good decisions about having a smart home improve your life, but there's a chicken and the egg problem of like you kind of need to learn a fair amount of stuff about the stuff mm. before you can even decide what to make good decisions buying. Yeah. And it's really easy to go wrong. Like the other day, not the other day, a couple of weeks ago, I accidentally bought the wrong kind of hue lights. And that's a really expensive mistake to make. Like it's, they work, but I got the ones that are just uh, different colors of white rather than doing the full colors. You know, we, we like to make our house look like Virgin America. So we like the purple. Um, but in this case, the thing that is kind of cool, but I'm, I'm not encouraging people to get into the Belkin system, except for one thing is cool. 
like the um, the hub that we use, we've got a Philips hub uh, for doing all the light stuff at home. But at my office, I don't have a hub. Like I, it's, you know, I don't want to have to get into that whole ecosystem. The nice thing about Wemo is I think it's all done. Um, I don't, you don't need a hub for it, basically. Okay. So you can get a smart switch. So you put a switch on this light, you put a switch on that light. And at the risk of repeating myself, so I've got a motion sensor. When I walk into my office, it knows I'm there. And that turns on these two lights here, this one and this one. Um, and, uh, and then I have another little dingus that when I'm away from the office, there's been no motion in less than half an hour. It, it turns the lights off just in case I forget. Um, those are pretty standard. It's a, it's a big fat switch. You are big fat, like a, um, what do you call it? Like a big, like a wall wart that you plug into. And then you control that with your iPhone app or I think via the web. And it does do some interactions with other things via like IFTTT, but it's, it is pretty great. And it's exactly right for the purposes that I need. Um, and then you can get this really cool thing called uh, an insight. And it's a much smaller, uh, little wall wart that has a touch button on it. And you use that to turn your thing on and off, but it also monitors. It's like, uh, it looks for vampires and, you know, monitors ener- energy usage. Is this making sense? Yeah, no, I'm following. <laughs> You pass through from your device through the, the insight to the uh, plug, the outlet, and, um, and now you have a way not only to turn that thing on and off, but to have it monitor what kind of energy usage you're getting. You can even go in and uh, put, plug in your cost per megawatt hour, and it'll tell you how much it will cost per month based on how you're using it. Um, and that was very educational, because if I ran this What do you have this on, besides your humidifier? That's all I'm running it on right now. I don't, I don't have... Um, I'm not aware of that many other, I'm, you know, I, I have at, at times been curious. I've c- sometimes considered putting an insight on the entire power strip that runs like our home entertainment world. Yeah. That would be really so interesting. That was what I was thinking when you were telling me about this. You know that phrase vampire? Um, I'm sure you do. Um, well, like what's, what, what a, some people don't know turns out is that you've got devices in your house that are use a certain amount of energy when you're they're on like your tv like your old stereo hair dryers there's things like that that use you know pull a lot of wattage stuff like your your microwave maybe what what's not obvious is that a lot of those things continue to draw power not just for stuff like keeping the little blue clock on but they call them vampires because they end up sucking a lot of energy without doing anything of substance and without you necessarily knowing yeah right they're doing it yeah, absolutely. So I've got one, I've got a like pretty generic one of those that I use to test stuff if I'm worrying how much energy it's drawing. I don't know. I kind of, I think of my electric bill kind of like a video game. Like I, I like to like, <laughs> if we're going to blow a lot on gas this month, I like, I kind of want to know where it went. Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm not that environmental. I just think it's uh, interesting. Yeah. But the insight's kind of cool. Um, but you know, this, this whole world of home stuff is really interesting, but it really feels like we're not anywhere near this stuff shaking out to, to a point where I would feel comfortable saying, okay, it's time to get started. Like for example, I've got, um, iOS 10 running on one of our iPads right now. And it's got some, the, the new home app is the long overdue app that actually, actually gives you an interface to home kit things on iOS. Right. What they should have had day one, maybe. I, I you know, I, I hate to put it in those terms, but I agree with you. Anytime Apple comes up, with a neat new feature or a neat new, in this case, like a neat new, what protocol framework? I don't know what you call it. It, It's nice to have something we can go, Oh, I see what that does. Like, even if I don't own all these things, I can see how I would use that. I mean, it was, it was nothing more than a developer's 
toolkit when it came out, which I think it's, you know, it's okay, but I, 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 that's why some people were saying, oh, they, they rushed it or it was, you know, it's going to be the next big thing. And now I think certainly it is become that. It is, but it's also, it's doubly frustrating because it's not as simple as just supporting it in your software. Right. Um, there was a lot of hue and cry. Oh God, pun not intended. There was a lot of upset in the world of Philips Hue lights because it required a new generation of their hub to have HomeKit integration. Right. And of course people were, were sad about that. It's not as simple as just saying, oh, you know, I think there, there's stuff you have to do with the hardware to support it, but... Um, and then, you know, on top of it, then you've got stuff like, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Nest. So I like my drop cam, but I can't feel great about recommending it just because I don't know what's going on with Nest. Right, that, place, right. that seems like a dumpster fire. Um, and then, you know, and then, I, then you see stuff like that. Uh, was it Google that acquired that hub company? There was this one hub you could get that oh. was omnivorous about working with lots of different systems and they just basically said oh by the way we're just EOLing this in a few months so mm. now your $300 thing doesn't work mm, sorry that's a lot of money to blow away um, on an experiment and especially if you get into these hue lights like it's it's light bulbs all the way down you know <laughs> but they do these cool things so you can get these lights they're, they're pretty okay bright bulbs that do everything from many different colors of white to actual like legitimate color colors you can get something called a light strip which looks like it's just a bunch of LED lights on a strip, but you can do really nice subtle effects with. We have one called a bloom light. A bloom, bloom, bloom light. Bloom light. It's a full of bloom light. The bloom. The bloom. The bloom light. Autobalon. <laughs> and it and it uh, it just kind of shoots like using a couple different little LEDs shoots like light into this area. Like you could do it behind your TV if you want to get that backlit effect. And then uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. I've said this before in other places. I'll mention it here. I think if you're gonna if you're in the, the Philips Hue world. And the person you live with is ready to kill you because they need a phone to turn the lights off. Um, they have a really neat thing that we should put in notes called the Philips tap switch, which is a relatively new thing that is super clever. Have we talked about this on here? Ta- the tap switch. The tap switch. I think you mentioned that uh, once once before. Let me uh, mention it specifically because, you know, when we first, we tried the first round of this with Philips, however, I think two years ago we tried this and it was like, we had about a week of it before my wife was ready to strangle me. <laughs> Because the, the, if you have a legacy electric device, like let's say a lamp. Right. I've heard of those. You know lamps? You know lamps, I right? I know them. They come with uh, lamp style shades. Yeah. They usually have a switch, so in electronics they call it a switch. A switch, a switchlet. Switch, switch, switchlet. Switchlet lamp light. And so when you flip the switch, that turns the power off and the light goes off. Right. I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. No. But for the Hue thing to work, you have to keep that in the on position. Otherwise, your iPhone app will say, this device is unavailable. <laughs> now you no longer have an addressable dingus. Title. Right. So uh, that's the thing. And so, of course, if you live with humans, if you don't live with pod people who live on their stupid phone to play with their goddamn lights, mm-hmm. they want to go to bed like a person. Yeah. They shut it off. And now you're not addressable. Boop, beep, boop. I'm sad. <laughs> But the neat thing is the tap switch is this dingus. It's kind of expensive. It's like 50 bucks. But you get this, uh, I don't know, it's a little circular puck. It's maybe two and a half, three inches in uh, diameter. And it's got, uh, it looks like three buttons, but it's actually four buttons. So it's got three buttons plus a big button that surrounds the other buttons. And you can, what's the phrase, uh, associate different scenes with those buttons. So the big, the big Uber button usually have be off. So if you just hit this thing, it turns off. And then you have one, two, or rather, what? The two, three, and four buttons, you program however you want. So this one over here uh, lights the room beautifully for our standard evening setup. 
Uh, this one over here is a little more relaxing. It turns off the overhead light, which is kind of gross. It turns off the bloom light. Um, this one here uh, makes it look like you just got on a Virgin America plane. And here's the really crazy part. You ready for this? <laughs> yes. You ready for this? Yes. It doesn't use batteries. What? It, um, I want, what's the word I want to use? It operates on kinetic energy. Really? So you're, you're like clicking. the little, uh, the little bird, the little drinking bird. Like the drinking bird or like the, uh, the bangy balls. Hello? Hello? Long time, long time baller? Yeah, okay. I mean, if you <laughs> want to go there, I'll go there. I'm just saying like, it's, you know. You know what I mean? The bangy balls. Sure like I do. If you're, if you're like, uh, if you're Magneto or, or you're like, uh, you know, uh, Adrian uh, Van Vite, is that his name? Right. You just, you give it to the person, the person doesn't realize that they've been poisoned with lead or whatever, and then you I suck started, it. I started banging the balls 34 minutes ago. Suck it out of their body. That's right. So, uh, your clicking of the dingus. Yes. What provides the power? Isn't that a clever idea? Didn't you think you'd, there'd be more stuff like that by this time? You know? I mean, it we is. Just took, we just took a giant box of batteries to Walgreens. Uh, 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 life hack, America. Walgreens will accept your uh, dead-ass batteries. Really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll just take them. And so we had all these disgusting batteries. I think we used to use a lot more batteries because our kid had more battery things. But like we had this giant thing of batteries. I feel horrible about it. You can't throw it in the trash. Take it to Walgreens. But uh, I don't know. I just remember, remember like a little kid having like a crank radio or like the Steve Austin crystal radio backpack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those anyway, um, we should put that into show notes. It, did you find it? The Philips tap switch i only mention it because it's a real it's a real um lifesaver we bought several of these because it has made it has made the the phillips hue system viable where it was not before so like we've got one in the hallway uh we got one in our bedroom one in our kids room one in the lounge with tv in it and it's it's uh it's pretty terrific because yeah, you were talking to me once was it last episode or the one before about overhead lights and how you don't enjoy overhead lights I, I don't. Does that ring a bell? Of course, yeah. Well, you and I have talked about this forever. How, how do you get my wife every night? Yeah, puts my, there's my, my an, wife. There's an overhead switch right over the sink, but we have one of those floor plans where like the kitchen opens into sort of the dining nook, which opens into the fa- I guess family room, living room type thing. And it's nice because it like keeps the family together. You can be in the kitchen cooking uh, and then the other people can interact with you. You're not closed off. But there's this terrible overhead light and it's the only like they don't make anything for that, do they? Or can you do something with a bulb and get the... You're the, talking about like tubes, like fluorescent tubes? Well, no, gosh, no. Uh, I mean, it's a regular incandescent or... Bit like know, a light bulb. A light bulb. But can yeah. you can swap you can with the Wemo or is this a Hue thing that I need to? This is a Philips Hue thing. I'm, okay, do you, may, I, may I respond? Yes. Is this too? Yeah. Is this boring? This I think is what you I want. First time Hubie. Um, <laughs> the here the, the the basic thing. So here's what you do if you want to get started with this and you're an idiot and you want to spend some money, uh, you get this basic yes, starter. You're set. describing me. <laughs> it takes one to know one. Yeah. If you want to get started? There's a, a starter set, and so you get the Philips Hue starter set, and it comes with the hub, and I think three of their of their bulbs you want the ones that say something like color ambience so look for ambience or something like that you don't want the ones that are just shades of white right you can get you can accomplish much more cool stuff not just like novelty bits but it's just it's more fun because she keeps she keeps saying oh you know let's get it like a dimmer switch and i feel like 
That's a very sort of, I mean, that's fine, but that seems like yeah. a very sort of 1970s kind of approach. Well, I can, I, you know, I, if you don't mind, I'll tell you, because this stuff has come a super long way. Yeah, and, yeah. and basically what you need for this is patience and money. Um, it's You're going to have to spend a little, a, kind of a slightly obnoxious amount of money to replicate what you already have. But I'm also putting in the notes right now, I think the tap switch is just, is the bee's knees. But just slightly nerdier and almost as useful is another fairly new thing called the Philips Hue dimmer switch. So if you see that in notes, it's basically, it comes with a plate and it's uh, the little thing inside of it is magnetized. So you can remove it and use it like a remote or stick it on the wall. All right. So you got an on button, you got an off button, right? At the top and bottom. And then as you can see, you've got a dimmer, make this brighter, make this dimmer. What's not clear is you can hit that on button, um, repeated times for i think up to five different lighting scenes they call them scenes so you might hit on and on is the standard bright normal turn these on all the way with the standard color right make everything on you might hit it again and that might go to one of their modes called like uh, reading reading is a nice mode it's a little bit warmer you might hit it again to go to relax and that's dimmer and much more. The thing is on your phone, you can go and change, make these any kind of scene you want and then associate it with these buttons all through the iPhone app. So to, to get to your, your larger points here, first of all, any, um, standard light bulb, uh, socket Uh can take a hue light. I would peg it to be the equivalent of maybe a 60 watt bulb. They're not super bright. Okay. But like, you know, in our kitchen, we have two of those. So you can put two of those in. You got, you know, 120 watts. But now you also have a huge amount of control without needing a physical dimmer switch. Right. You can now make those settings however you want. My, my counsel, I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for your wife, but my counsel would be to, you know, when you need to treat the overhead light as the big bright light, but it's much nicer to have it be more like an accent. Yeah. So if it's in the, like in our case, in the living room, as we call it the lounge, we've got one of those up overhead. We've got three lamps that work on it. We got a strip and we got the bloom light. So we can basically make that room really, really cozy and nice with the click of a button. It takes care of all of those. And then when you're ready for bed, you hit the off button. They all go off. If you, if you're away or you want to like hook it up to IFTT, you could say, when I get a mention on Twitter, make all the lights blink pink and purple. You can do all kinds of crazy stuff. But the baseline is you now have, you don't need a dimmer switch built into the hue system is this notion of brightness and color. Right per bulb and so like you can hit a preset like make it look like a beach in tuscany or whatever <laughs> and it'll bloop, it'll change all the lights automatically to these different colors to make this make it look like a, you live in an aquarium so anyway we should also find the phillips hub starter kit and i, I have to tell you i'm not so like what's the what's the just just to get into this 178.75 that's like the total damage is going to cost, but then your life has changed. Well, you know, it's like I say, it takes patience and money because you're going to want to buy more of these bulbs. If yeah. you want to trick everything out, you can have up to four rooms controlled. The nice thing about the tap switch is you can also have it. It doesn't have to be the room that the switch is in. It's interacting with the hub. Uh, I think via Wi-Fi. So basically, you know, you could have a setup in your, uh, like in your entryway hallway. When you hit that button, it turns on lights in a whole bunch of rooms. Uh, and again, the nice part is once you're logged in and everything's set up, you can do this all remotely too. So if you, you know, if you, for, if you're away for the night and you want to put a light on in this room, you can turn it on. The other thing that I bought is a whole bunch of those ugly things, like childproof ish things that you mm-hmm. put over a light switch. So like say, don't turn this switch off. Like always leave this yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. 
We don't do this way anymore. Putting in notes, the Phillips 456210 Hue, White, and Color Ambience A19 Bulb Starter Kit, second generation, works with Alexa. I like that. I uh, I like it, but only because we invested a little bit in it. It's been it's been nice. It's been cool. But the the real game changer was having these switches that aren't your phone. Like unless you, I mean, if you're a bachelor and you live alone and you want to be on, uh, you know, whatever an A320 flying on Virgin, that's great. You're good to go because you're fine playing with your dingus in order to make your lights go on. If you right. live with a normal human being who has a job and stuff, you've got to get a switch or you're going to be a total pariah. Those are the biggest parts of things that I use. You see, it's there was a guy that used to work. He used to do some audio editing and video stuff, and he was a very early adopter of all of this. And he used to describe how, like, he had something connected to the weather. So if the weather was, if it was raining outside, then uh, there was some kind of automatic thing he had created that the would allow, I guess, it, it did something where, like, the it would, it would dim the lights and do a yeah, bluish yeah, yeah. thing. There's, there's IFTT recipes like straight off the boat where you can just say, I mean, I, I would never do this. This is not at all how I would think about lighting my home. But I mean, you, your, your wife is reading in the bedroom and it's going to rain so the lights turn blue. Like, mm, that's not a life I can have. Right. But, but, you know, you can totally do that. But you can also, there's all kinds of little dinguses you can get that are just about, and these have existed for a while, like think geek type things, but there are things you can get that will just tell you stuff. But, you know, as I think we'll talk about a little bit this episode, you already have a device that does all of that with you all the time, which is, which is for us, the, the iPhone. Right. So with IFTTT, which, you know, IFTTT, it's, it's simple. It's sometimes too simple, sometimes too fiddly, but it is extremely powerful for doing like a single thing you want to do. So you can do stuff like say, like, um, you know, well, so for example, if, if motion is detected outside my front door, turn on the porch light. Right. Right. And you can even per per um, IFTTT script, you can even have it send you a notification. So you get built in notification abilities. So for example, the IFTTT that knows to turn off my lights when I leave the office, I don't need a notification for that. I don't get that. But it's really worth going and exploring. If you haven't looked at IFTTT in a few years, go and have a look because it hooks up with so many different things. You can do stuff like say, like use that motion sensor to like see when I'm at the office, like record the times if you're like, you know, keeping hours. Oh, right. You can say, go write this to a, a Google spreadsheet. I mean, if you, you know, once you really, you know, you remember like Yahoo Pipes when it first came out? Oh, sure. Yeah. It was really cool, but it was really fiddly and nerdy. And IFTTT, to its benefit and detriment, does one thing well, which is you take this plug from this API-ish thing and you take this outlet from this API-ish thing and you hook them together based on a condition. There's not a lot of flexibility. That's the thing. You might need to make multiples of these. You don't really get conditionals. That's kind of what I'm really dying. I think Zapier does that and I'm, I'm going to start looking into Zapier because I know um, Vitici likes that a lot. But IFTTT is, IFTTT is great for just like simple brain dead dumb stuff. And, you know, and once you go in and start really opening your mind to the idea of how these things can hook together, you can come up with some pretty clever stuff. But, um, you know, if you're now contrary to everything I just said, if you're interested in just experimenting with this a little bit, you might want to go get like, a, let's say a Wemo outlet, I think it's called. If you just want to get in for a few bucks and try it out. For like 30, 40 bucks, you can buy one of these Wemo switches and try it out and see if it's to your liking. The Hue thing is kind of an all-in thing. 
it doesn't, I mean, not all in, but like you're going to have, it becomes a little bit of a lifestyle. Okay. You know, the other nice thing I've mentioned before. What does your kid, what does your kid think about this? She loves it. Yeah. I mean, we set, we, in her room, we put one in her, on her, um, like table lamp, two in her overhead light. And she, she loves it. She can go and make her own scenes, you know, and when it's, when it's bedtime, we, you know, first there's, my wife is reading Harry Potter with her, with this light, right? Like setting number two. Right. When it's, when it's time to start going to sleep. She can make it a set, any setting she wants, but we'll frequently make it like dimmed or nightlight, they call it. And, um, and then when I go and check in on her, you know, before I go to bed, I just pop my head in and make sure she's not dead. All I have to do is hit the, hit the little light switch thing and all the lights in the room go off. So it's actually better than, you know, what we had before in that yeah, sense. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, so that's all. The other one, you know, so, uh, you know, I like my Nest Cam. I, I really like, I really like the Canary that I've got, but... I wish it hooked up to more stuff. The canary is great for giving you a fisheye view of an area. It tells you a little bit about stuff like temperature, humidity, air quality. I wish it was better at hooking up to more stuff because I could really use that for, for conditionals. And, you know, and, and so stuff like Nest Cam and Canary both have uh, awareness. So like, you know, when my wife and I walk in the house, it knows to turn it into private mode. Because and it's doing it that with the NFC stuff on your phone. Or is it a motion sensor? I think it's NFC. I think it's that look. It's the app is location aware. Oh, okay. It might be Wi-Fi, but I think it's just location aware. Like basically, when you get into this geofenced area, uh, turn off the camera. So it's not. It's not like following you around as you go from room to room per se. You you certainly, you certainly can. Some people, some people want that and like that. You can even get in. uh, Canary recently introduced something called night mode, where you can so. So normally you would say, "When I'm at home, leave this all the way off." But like, let's say you're worried about like your kids sleepwalking right. or, or the cat's making pancakes. You can have it A, on and like shooting or B, on and recording based on motion. And so then you get this neat thing where it says you get a little, if you want to, you get a notification that says, hey, you know, motion was detected at home and you pop in and you can watch the video right on your phone. Okay. That's Canary. And I will also add that. Dan, we've, I'm so sorry. We've talked about home automation. I didn't mean to. I like home um, automation stuff. I've gotten intrigued with it and I, you know what? I like it as more than just a geek. I mean, I, I probably sound more knowledgeable than I did two years ago because I spent some time on it and like realized how it can be useful and not invasive. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am. We aren't to the point of like, oh, I'm going to have my, you know, remote control coffee pot or something, anything like that. But, um, but these are, these are nice things. And, and, you know, if you're like me and you're kind of a nervous person, it's nice to be able to just check in at home and like say, well, you know, what's up with the cat? It's kind of cool. Would you do a, uh, and as much as you're capable, interested, able, or obligated, would you share with your listeners where to find episode diggity 284 of your back to work program? Sure thing. 5x5.tv slash B2W slash 284. You'll find the show notes, all the things that uh, we've been talking about right here, uh, right there. Is there anything? There's nothing else to say. That's it. Said it all. Yeah. Let's uh, button it up. Um, I do have things to say. I have a movie recommendation. Okay. Maybe before that, would you uh, like to tell me about something you like? I can tell you about Warby Parker. It's a Warby start. Parker. Yeah. A new, a new. You know, they they have this slogan: "It's a new concept in eyewear." But some of our audience, I would think, is maybe it doesn't sound new to them because they've been hearing us talk about it for for a while. But if you think about what they did, they came into an industry that was dominated by. Uh, by brick and mortar stores, 
places that you go and you pay hundreds, uh, many, many, many hundreds of dollars, and I would say hundreds of dollars too much to buy, uh, to buy a pair of glasses, maybe sunglasses, maybe prescription sunglasses. And for my whole life, I started wearing glasses when I was like maybe. I think 10 or 11, they figured out that I needed them and I didn't start wearing them regularly until I was a, maybe about 15 or 16 years old when Heather said that I looked cute in them. So I felt confident yeah. enough to start wearing them. Heather's, Heather, uh, Heather's a bellwether. You got to follow what Heather says. I mean, you know, you, she's the hottest girl in school. I've never not had a crush on a Heather. How can you not? Yeah. So I uh, I started wearing glasses back then and it just became a normal thing that, okay, in order to have a cool looking pair of frames, you've got to spend many hundreds of dollars to do that. And then uh, I just accepted it and it sucked and you know you just you just deal with it. And I remember sometime in the 90s, I met a guy and he had the best frames that I'd ever seen. They were sort of a little bit retro when that was just coming in. And, uh, and, and I said, where did you get those? He said, oh, they're sunglasses frames. And you can get these things, you know, at such and such a store, go get them, and then you can get your own lenses put in them. And so that's what I did for many, many years until I discovered Warby Parker. And I discovered them way before they were a sponsor, and I got really into it because they they circumvent that whole cost of having to have a store that you go into. You don't have to go in and, and sit down and wait your turn. And I have there literally there's places where they give you a, a little number, like you're ordering meat at a deli or something. And and you just sit there and you wait. Warby Parker makes it so much easier. You go onto their website, you look at their selection, and then here's the big thing. How do they solve the problem of wait a second, how am I supposed to pick something out online from a picture online on some uh, beautiful model person? That's not me. That's not going to look like they do. They said, you know what? No problem. You try on five frames. You pick five frames off the website, five of your favorites, and they call this a home try-on package. They send it to you. It's free. They send you these frames. They've got dummy lenses in them, so you just put them on. You can wear them. You can show them to your friends, your family. You just switch it up, and, uh, and you choose your favorite pair, and then you send it back. You haven't paid for any of this. They pay for all of it, shipping, everything. You send it back and you say, okay, this is, the, and you're not even obligated to order. But if you, if you do, you find one you like, you say, yeah, I want this one. I've got like three or four pairs of Warby's uh, in, in different styles. And I really, really love them. They're made very, very well, lightweight, really, uh, really solid. And uh, you can get your pair. You go to Warby Parker and it's spelled W-A-R-B-Y, warbyparker.com slash Dan. You go there. That supports uh, the show. You choose the five frames that you want. Pick your favorite. And, uh, and that's it. It's risk-free, free shipping all around. So, uh, go there and check it out. Warbyparker.com slash Dan. Wearing them now. Thanks, Warby Parker. I like that company. Right now. I like them a lot. Right, right on here now. You can just keep ordering and they'll send them to you. You can just try them on. Yeah. They, they say it's five home try them, but the secret is you can do that as much as you want. Yeah. And, and like, if you only pick a few, they'll toss in a few that they think would look good on you. Oh, nice. I never it's tried like when that. The, when, the, when the housekeeper comes and like rearranges everything and you realize that, that, that it's basically you're paying to be judged on how you live. I think the cutting boards would be better here. That's not where we keep them. Mm, nice. I think they'd be better down here. Oh, this is pretty cool. It'd really be better. Always, always, always turns the scale 180 degrees. Just like a big F you. Really? Oh, it's just ponderous. That's, I would interpret that as That's, a resignation. Oh, it's, it's totally passive aggressive. They also broke our cat diffuser. Anyway, no big deal. Um, uh, hi. Hi. Uh, I 
can't, I got mixed feelings about the topic. Before the topic, um, I did something last night. Um, I'm mixed just make, about the, our topic? You have yes. mixed feelings about it. I spent two hours preparing and I don't like anything I've prepared. Oh, but calm I, now. Well, you're such a good preparer. Thank you, Dan. I know you love the ones where I prepare. I do. Yes, you're, it, you're, if, if somebody said right now, gun to my head, yeah. Dan Merlin's best quality, preparation. Don't, don't, don't put a gun to Dan's head. That's I'm just saying, it. if that's what it came to, that would be yes. my answer. Yes, thank, thank you. I, I will find a way through this together. You know, str- stronger together. Yeah. <sighs> and it's not a scenario I want to happen. I'm, but no. I'm, I'm just using it as an example to show how sincere I am about it. Yeah. You, 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 are you following 538? Yeah, 538, 548, whatever you got. I'm following it. Yeah, bad news. Hillary, Hillary's down in the nowcast. She's down from uh, 96.4% to 94.9%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nowcast, nowcast. Hi. Uh, I pre-ordered uh, a movie a long time ago, and uh, I was kind of fixing to wind down and go to bed last night, and boom, I get the pop-up that it's available. Oh, forget and, it. And so I, I sat down and watched a movie at ten thirty last night. I was up to one last night. Um, Wiener. That's the movie. Wiener is a documentary about Anthony Wiener, the guy who was a congressman who got embroiled in uh, a scandal because he had texted uh, pictures of his underpants. He accidentally, he, I guess, he thought he was DMing, but he put it on his official Twitter. And this it was sounds a familiar to me. Yeah, uh, Carlos Danger. Does that ring a bell? Carlos Danger. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you. If you don't remember the story, and I didn't remember exactly how it went, all I'm going to say is this. Um, if you enjoy documentaries, this is a this is a amazing documentary on a lot of levels. It's it's very funny. The 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 flawed man about whom this documentary is on whom this is focused is a very smart, very interesting, very, very flawed guy. But like you can tell he's like, he's just he seems like a like a pretty good guy who's got a lot of problems. And uh, his wife is amazing. And basically, it is a documentary about what happened after he resigned from Congress because of this scandal and then was running for mayor of New York. Okay. And I won't say too much more about it, except to say that at, at any dozen points in this really good documentary, you find yourself going, why in the hell is he letting this go on? Like, why is he continuing this project? And they talk about it several times in the movie. Like, like I can't believe you're letting us continue to film this. Um, but it's, it's a hell of a ride. It's very well done, very well edited. Uh, all the people in it are fascinating. There's just a lot of humanity, a lot of pathos. And, you know, and then finally, by the time you get to the end, it's almost like a thriller. So Wiener, it is available on, uh, I started following him on Twitter last night. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, Wiener is available on iTunes and probably other places, but if you like documentaries, uh, definitely worth checking out. Not safe for work. Right. Hmm. Wiener. Wiener. I saw two documentaries since we're doing that. Yeah, let's roll. Uh, this is the, the first one is one you actually told me to watch. And I think you told me on the air. I'll tell you to watch things. You told Dan, me you command. I mean, is it, it wasn't like a commandment, but it's like. I fiat, no. It's like if, if you'd like to continue communicating, you must watch this. I mean, hmm. I, I'm not, it's a direct quote, but. Well, I'm a brand influencer online. Yes, yeah, so. so I read that. I read that. Uh, no, this is one you mentioned on the other show, and I think it's called Fittest, Fittest in the World. It's the CrossFit oh, right. documentary. Yeah, yeah. So I went and found that after we talked about it, and I've, I've watched it, uh, and I really, really enjoyed watching that. Uh, it really, 
puts things into perspective for you, doesn't it? Uh, but I really you mean, like in that the sense one. that, like, um, like you realize you're not as obsessed as you think. That you're not as obsessed as you think. That you're not uh, as fit as you think. <laughs> yeah, all of the above, all of the above. And so, uh, but I did enjoy. I did enjoy that. What did you? What you like? What did you like most about it? Especially as somebody who has some. <clears throat> access and insight to that world. What, what did you, uh, what surprised you? Well, I mean, on the one hand, uh, I was, I mean, I think that any time that I watch something where people are training really, really hard for something and working really, really hard to achieve a goal that they've set for themselves, that's always uh, a lot. Of, that's very inspiring to me to watch that. And th- this show was just full of that of these people who are you know they show one guy you know train just training his his gym is just in his garage you know and that's it and he's doing everything he can to get there and compete and that's inspiring i like that uh but also i think it's it's fascinating to see once people like what is it about a certain person and it usually does center on fitness but not always it's uh, you know athleticism for sure fitness for sure but there is something inside the human being that it, it seems like people find something. They set some kind of a goal for themselves, perhaps competing in a competition like this or whatever, where it then becomes kind of all consuming and their every focus yeah. about their life. If they have a full time job, like they got to go work at their full time job. But whenever they're not there, they're focusing on this other thing. And, and especially something that requires this level of physical training to do it. It's, it's not like getting home after work and eating dinner and putting your kids to bed and like, I'm going to go, you know, hack on this PHP app I'm building. It's, it's like, I'm going to go to a gym twice a day, once before work and once after work. And I'm going to do these things that are incredible, the the drive. So it's, it's fascinating for me because it's very much a study of the human mind and the mental process that's involved in this. I really like that aspect to it as as well. And also I'm shocked at the damage that these people are willing to do to their bodies. Um, and I brought it up to one of the trainers at my gym. I'm like, you know, like, have you seen this? I said, oh yeah, you know, see it. And I said, what, is, what do you think of it? And they're like, well, what they're doing is not really good. <laughs> like it's not really good for them. And, and their definition of, of fittest isn't necessarily like, like I understand that you can define fitness by saying this is how many you know how many pull ups I can do or I could do a Murph uh, or whatever, but in reality, like the potentially they're damaging their bodies and that's not what real fitness really is. So I don't know. I, I just the whole concept is pretty interesting to me. The whole thing. I, I agree. I mean, that's such a classic kind of story that actually. So you know, like you're saying, somebody. I feel like when you watch a story like that, there's certainly the part where you admire somebody's tenacity yeah. and, and will, but there's also that sense of, uh, and I, I might be stretching this too far, but there's also that sense of like, wow, that person stuck with that longer than I would yeah, that and harder than I would. Or then you get to a point where you're like, that person stuck with that longer than is sane. Yeah. Longer than and they should have. So like, this is a, an interesting thread though, because that's very much a theme, I think in the Wiener movie also. You know, when you're <laughs> when you're in fifth place with 10 percent approval and you just go, nope, just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, or like today I saw a I saw a quote from an interview with a current uh, presidential candidate who was uh, talking about um, how he or she is, is very reluctant to change his or her um, attitude when you're winning the way that he or she is winning. So Trump basically feels, why would I change anything about what I'm doing when I'm doing this well? And you're like, well, that takes a certain state of mind to have that particular approach at this right, moment in time. Right, right. 
I don't know if I admire it, but I definitely find it extremely interesting. It's yeah, kind of like, I mean, well, it's like, kind of like watching a hamster on fire try to cook dinner. You're like, you know what? Good for you, little guy. Well, and that's something interesting that you bring up to me because there is that whole aspect of, uh, of you know, this is like I'm there. I have no desire to run for political office. I have no desire to compete in the CrossFit Games. You know, ever like these are just two things that are equally unappealing to me. And I would I would put them at about parallel with one another. Um, as far as how interested I am in doing them, I'm not. And yet there are people who are absolutely in this, you know, and, and, and want to do this and who somehow they wake up in the morning and they're like, you know, it, it's, it's not enough that I just want to, you know, go and, and, and get myself into physical shape so I don't have physical problems. Like that's, that's one level of it. Then there's another level that says, you know what, I, I want to see what I can do with my body, I want to push myself past where, what I think I can do to see if there's a way for me to do something that that might have been impossible in some ways. Is see, see if I can, you know, can I, okay, can I squat my body weight? Yes. Can I squat 5K over my body weight? Well, yeah, I can do that now. Can I, you know, what, what about 20K over? Like, is that a goal? Why am I working toward that goal? What's the point of the goal? You know, and and that's something I don't, like the answer is usually we'll just see what I can do, see if I can do it. And so there's that aspect of humanity that I've always found really fascinating is just, you know, doing it because you can. But again, like I have no desire and have never had any desire to climb Mount Everest or anything even remotely or, or any kind of mountain. You know, like I, I watched that movie Everest. Have you seen the movie Everest? Did we talk about this? Mm-mm. I highly recommend this. Everyone stop the show, go watch Everest and come back. Uh, what a, a, a freaky movie. Everest. Um, I think it's on HBO now. Uh, it's well worth your 90 minutes. It's one of these movies. You watch it and you're like, this is true. This is real. I mean, it's, it's, and it's all true. And it's just one of these amazing, bizarre Stories, I just don't understand what it is that makes a person say, oh, I want to I want to climb this mountain. I want is, it, is this based on a true story? It's a hundred percent true, yeah. Okay. It's got um Yeah, he's in it. It's got Saul Star in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go see this. I mean, this is really it was a great movie, good acting, everything else, but you just you sit there watching, it's like this really this really happened? This is happening yeah. like right now? Today? Yeah, that yes. seems like that's that's on another level, huh? Yeah. So I don't know, but I, I think you got to go watch it. You got to go. You especially need to watch that. Yeah. It sounds really cool. Uh, yeah, I feel like I've seen this go by before. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. That's, yeah, there's, 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 that's a classic story. And like, in that in particular, like, my God, can you imagine when, uh, when they were doing it in the fifties with the equipment that they had? Yeah. And like, you know, just the lack of oxygen and like, geez, Louise, that's the thing is like, once somebody's done something once, doesn't make it easy, but now we know it's not impossible. You know, like, you know, when whatever, 1954, whenever Bannister broke the four minute mile, you know, that there's been, I guess, what, hundreds of people that yeah. have done that since then. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, but it is that psychological barrier of like, you know, will this, will this ever even be possible? That feels like a benchmark that can, and to me, it's, it's, it's a little bit different than like hitting 3000 hits. 
in that it is like, uh, as they say, as the doctor would say, it's a fixed point in time. Like, you know, four minute mile is always going to be a four minute mile. The, the, you know, the cleats, the field, the bat, the ball, you know, those can all change, but like, that's just, that's just raw human effort to do that. Yeah. I was talking to somebody, uh, just today actually, uh, about Converse, uh, high tops, the original Converse high tops, which, you know, you probably like me wore in high school in the nine, you know, late eighties, early nineties time period. And they're of course very popular still today. And, you know, when, when I wore them, I remember that they were, they were an older style, but they were a basketball shoe. You know, that's where Converse kind of came from is they were mm-hmm. basketball yeah, shoes. Totally. No one, I think, realizes today the people who are wearing them for the first time in, in 2016, they're not probably aware that they're basketball shoes. Um, but I, I mean, it's like things like that. You look at the evolution of the basketball shoe especially with the Air Jordan craze that came out also in the mid-80s maybe, that how far we've come with the kinds of shoes people can run in and and the way that... uh, So this leads me to the second movie that I saw, which was very weird. It's called uh, Generation Iron. It's also on Netflix. A weird movie uh, about... I think they're sort of training around Mr. Olympia, um, which is, you know, the, the, for people who don't know, this is kind of insane bodybuilding. It's what really led to Arnold Schwarzenegger's start. And it is, uh, it is what, what these guys do to train and compete. It's, uh, mind boggling and even further away from anything I'm even remotely familiar with. But, you know, it was one of Netflix's suggestions after it saw that I watched the CrossFit one. I said, all right, you know, Watch this thing, and these the what these people do in their training and their their life, all focusing around this event or this year's event, uh, and and how they get to the point where they're going to compete or try to compete, and who would win, and uh, fascinating, fascinating movie. But yeah, what we have to train. That feels like another world to me. Oh, it really is. But like the way that they the way that they train and the technology that. They show one guy who's, you know, he's like in this sort of advanced gym where they're, you know, testing all the different aspects of like what he can do and how he can push himself and what he can accomplish. And then there's, you know, there's other guys who are like, again, like they're in a garage type situation and they're, uh, you know, they're just sort of on their own training in some beat up old gym. And, you know, there's one guy who just trains like on his own, like by himself with no trainer. So it's. You know, it's uh, again, it's this drive that people have to to push themselves to some point. And it seems like you get if you get into it enough that you can almost kind of lose touch with reality and you get so immersed in that thing, just like, you know, somebody who's a software developer or a designer or something like you live in and breathe it because it's this thing that you're passionate about. And it's it's easy. It's difficult sometimes to take a step back and realize like. No, mo- most people in the world don't have an iPhone. You know, most people in the world don't know what the term accessibility means in relation to HTML. So, you know, I think uh, from coming from completely from the outside in, it's it's fa- a fascinating journey to see what these people do and what they go through because it's a world that most of us would never have any contact with at all. Yeah, those are good. Those are good picks. Did you put them in notes? I'm uh, putting them in right now. Put them in notes. Fittest in the world. Fittest on Earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fittest on mm-hmm. Earth. Fittest on Earth. Fittest on Earth. Um, I guess we can talk about our topic. 
I don't know. <sighs> I spent a long time. Want a nap or something first? No. I, I spent a long time thinking about this, and then I typed a bunch, and then I realized that almost everything I had to say about this is all incredibly obvious and not very insightful. And so then I spent about a half an hour trying to figure out what's not obvious and what, what is insightful. And, uh, and the topic is this, I suddenly purred happily. Um, so, uh, we've been talking about updates, um, thinking about like in the last uh, decade or so, like what's, what kinds of things have happened in our, in our world, uh, mainly around technology that have led to big changes in how we, how we think and live and operate and, you know, I, I think built into all of this is a certain amount of like old man, whatever, something like not quite nostalgia, uh-huh. but the like, can you believe we do this now? Okay. I mean, honestly, part, I feel like part of this is, and I'm not trying to be educational here. I'm not trying to like, let you know what it was like when we had to like, you know, mow our own grass both ways uphill. It's more a way of saying like, I want to remember this. Like, I want to remember how different things were 10 years ago because so much happened really so quickly that I, I think it's worth pausing to look at how dramatically different so many things are, how much convergence has happened in the last 10 years. So um, the first week we did this, we talked about the kind of new systems in our life and simplifying a lot of our productivity and living world based on uh, improved, what, connectivity, better systems. We kind of... Um, Zoomed in on that even more in the second episode where we talked about having fewer layers in terms of productivity in particular, like, you know, fewer intermediary things between like something occurs to me and I take care of it. Um, we, again, talking a lot about services. Last week we talked about task tracking and to an extent calendar stuff and how much more streamlined most of our stuff has become. Right. But, you know, and obviously there's similar themes through all of these things. Um, but today we, I thought uh, we've been getting kind of beating around this topic for a while. I thought we could talk about what changes when we get ubiquitous devices? I love that. I think ubiquitous devices is, you know, there. this is maybe the first time that we're at a point where you could even say that. Does that seem reasonable to say? I've spent to say? The, I spent the entire morning thinking about it and trying to analyze, as in break down into pieces, what that really means when we talk about having devices that are ubiquitous because almost everything that, that I've been thinking and have to say about this is patently obvious and something that everybody knows. The, the part that I'm, I'm trying to tease out of this is convergence, confluence. When you really think about it, then what's, what's really, really, truly, truly new today versus 12 or 15 years ago? Um, small devices that can mostly fit in your pocket? Well, we had those. Internet connectivity? We had that. Wi-Fi connectivity? Yeah, we mostly had that. Uh, ability to do things like, uh, you know, have your Rolodex or your calendar. Yeah, we've had that. We didn't always have it on, but we didn't have all those things on the same device. Right. And on top of it all, we didn't have the infrastructure to keep all that stuff uh, increasingly wired together and connected and contextual. And so ubiquity, um, ubiquity used to mean pencil and paper. Right. I mean, as we said in, in several previous episodes, there was almost always the need, if you wanted to do something electronically in particular, and obviously that's kind of the thrust of a lot of this discussion, that involved getting back to your Mac at some point where, yes, let's, let's admit your Mac had a printer, your Mac had access to the internet, your Mac had your big hard drive with all of your music and your files on it. But, you know, for, for most of my adult life and presumably yours, the PC that you use for home and work was your hub. That was the electronic hub. 
and everything came out kind of in concentric circles around that, including the internet. Like the internet was not meaningful without a Mac, the existence of the internet. Like, how are you going to get on the internet? And, and what would you do well, without but like, a computer? But you've got to have, even then you'd have to, if you're on the road, you've got to have a laptop or yeah. you've got to go to, um, you got to go to like, uh, this is before Apple stores. Like, what would you do? You, how would you go check your, check your email on your friend's computer, go to the library? I mean, so uh, I remember, know, I, I just, I want to tell a little, a little story in support of this. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, one time, I forget what exactly it was. It might've been some appointment that I had where there was a guy who had a, you know, a mobile office. And what this meant was that he had a, a Dell of some kind and he had this little tiny inkjet printer and he had probably portable mouse. Yeah. A portable mouse. He had like a, um, a Verizon hotspot or something. And he had all of this paraphernalia around him and he would, you know, he would come and we had a meeting and then he's like, Oh, I can, you know, I can print the doc. I can generate the documents and print them now for you to sign here. And he printed them out on his little printer. It, it took a good 10 minutes to print the five or six pages on the printer and you know and then like i signed them and it was just but at the time i remember thinking how cool is that that he can he can like do all of his work here and he has like an internet connection i mean it was slow but he had like an internet connection wherever he went it was like he had really had his own office wherever he went and that would this was something that was i think it was a very uh very special at the time and yeah, who you know? Who would have thought that this is yeah. just going to be normal one day? That's that's when you as the way you describe that, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because like people that could do that seem like magicians. Yes, not least because it was very costly to do. I mean, as recently as what five or six years ago, I had a Verizon hotspot. It was like that little black thing the size of like ten credit cards right. that you would use, and it was a separate service you paid for. But you know what you're describing is it's so interesting because what is happening there? He that 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 person is taking the office. And sort of like almost mini- miniaturizing and making it portable right. so that you can take it with you wherever you go to do most of the office stuff you need to do. You got a portable phone, you got a computer, you got a little like a bubble jet printer, you got all the stuff you need to do. You even, you even bring the internet access with you. But those are all these little different devices to do what he needed to do with office stuff. The, the part that's intriguing um, to me also is if you think about like most of the early interfaces for doing work on the internet or doing anything on the internet relied on a, a, an awkward, not even skeuomorphic, but, but an awkward office model of stuff. So look at this picture, this like bitmap picture of a desk to communicate, click on the phone to send email, click on the pen (laughs) to, to add something to your calendar, click on the calendar. And, and of course we can all laugh at that now and go, wow, that's, that's really an oddly inorganic way to think about your life. You know, it's it's sort of like watching a puppet show about your work. But with what that guy's doing, that's in retrospect, it feels not that different because again, confluence and convergence, all that stuff is on this dingus right now. Could you have imagined a world? Maybe you could, but think about, you know, even if you had all of that stuff, you still needed the little puck to get on the internet. And now not only is the internet built into your phone, but you can use it to create that hotspot and share that connection with other devices. That's kind of bananas when mm-hmm. you really think about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, so my, my basic outline for this is I would like to talk a little bit about just a little bit of history stuff, but then try and relatively quickly get to talking about what it, what it means rather than just like what it is. 
um, which I think we have time for. Of course. But um, perhaps you could tell me about um, one other thing that you like. Sure thing. I can tell you about Wealthfront. This is at Wealthfront.com. What these guys do is they make it really easy for anybody to invest and to get started investing. And if they're already doing investing, to invest really easily. The concept that they have and the way that they kind of come into this I think it's a little bit different because typically like a, 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 a what they call a wealth management professional or like a financial advisor was the term I always used is these are people who, you know, they got like a stuffy old office. You come into them and they say, you know, I told the story before, like come back when you've got a couple of million dollars to invest. Well, that's probably going to be never. So how do I get to that point? How do I start investing? Or I have money that I would like to invest, but I'm scared of the stock market or I don't have time to do the research. Or how do I know that there's someone out there that I can trust? Well, Wealthfront, what, what they do is they have uh, rigorous investment research. They've got really awesome modern technology. They cut out the middleman and they give everyone sound investment management. You can start with as little as 500 bucks. Uh, you can go up into the millions. They say that their their average uh, customer invests about sixty thousand dollars with them, and they're managing three billion dollars uh, in uh, in in assets for people. And this is the kind of thing where you basically you put money in there and you kind of forget about it. You don't have to worry about it. It's not day trading. It's nothing like that. It's investing for your long term future. This is for you know retirement or your nest egg or your kids' education, uh, whatever. It's a long term kind of a thing. Uh, and what they do is they, for uh, the first 10K that you invest, they have a fee, an advisory fee of only 0.25% per year, which is the lowest you're, you're going to find. And uh, no management fees on that first 10K. But for listeners of this show, you get an even better deal. You get 15K. So if you go to Wealthfront, wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 they will manage your first $15,000 entirely free of charge for life. So you'll never pay commissions, you'll never pay any hidden fees, and you won't even pay management fees at all on that first 15K. So uh, go check it out. We appreciate them. Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Thanks, Wealthfront. Um, somebody on the Huffington Post mm. in, let me find my notes here, in... Um, there's a link in notes to this that I, that I tooted out earlier, this, this image. This guy's Steve Bichon, I want to say, on Huffington Post, um, January 14th of last year. He uh, had gone through some uh, old, I guess, newspapers, and he pulled out this Radio Shack ad <laughs> from 1991 for like a President's Day sale. And uh, y'all can see it in notes or on Twitter. But, you know, he, uh, he made an observation that became, you know, uh, widely uh, retweeted in linked to and shared that's super interesting so you go and you look at this thing let me go look at this with you right now this is from 1991 and radio shack radio shack america's technology store president's birthday sale and here's here's some of the stuff that they have on sale they've got like all weather stereo which is like a basically a portable um like weather radio Uh clock radio stereo headphones calculator mobile phone cd player um, computer, like a PC, $1,600 PC, um, a phone answering machine, a tape recorder, um, a speed dial phone, a VHS camcorder, CB. These are all things that are on the front of their flyer for this sale in 1991. And, and the thing that this person, um, noted that I think is fascinating is that pretty much almost every, with the exception of like the radar detector, right. 
and the well actually I, ha- I used to have a police scanner you can get a police scanner on your uh, iPhone pretty much everything but the radar detector every single one of these things um yes comes stock <laughs> on an iPhone now your iPhone is a computer your iPhone tells you the weather your iPhone has built-in alarms it comes with headphones it has a built-in calculator you don't need a CD player I mean how many how many how could you imagine in 1991 you're not even gonna need your CDs anymore your music is just going to be available to stream through the air. How's that work? Yeah. I'll explain it later. All right. Marvin Barry. It comes with it comes with a 1080p video camera. It's built into that. There's speakers yeah, in there, it. There's, I was watching a movie last night that came. The movie was from either 2006 or 2007, and they show a family, and the dad's walking around with uh with a, an old fashioned camcorder, you know, with the side thing flipped out and and the little view screen on it. He's watching it, and I was like. Oh, and I said to my wife, I'm like, oh, you know what? This is before the iPhone. And, right. and because... When you carry a case, you'd have to carry a big thing with a microphone on it, maybe a light. Nobody yeah. in their right mind today would take a video of their kid's birthday party with a giant silver flip outside screen mounted camcorder. Nobody's doing that. Why? Because we've got these amazing iPhones in our pockets. Over the weekend, we had my uh, daughter's fifth birthday party, and there are people who work there at the. We do one of these, like you know, with the big inflatable slide things. You thousand kids are on bouncing around, punching each other, giving each other black eyes in, and that's where she wanted to do it. So we did it there. She loved it. Had a great time. And the people who work there, you know, like teenagers who are quote unquote supervising, they're taking pictures with sort of regular, like point and shoot type cameras and my wife and i are just sort of sort of casually pop a picture off here and there and she's got a she's got a a 6s i've got the the uh 5se and at the end of the thing you know they send us their pictures we're looking at ours like wow these where i just sort of like pulled out my phone and snapped a shot are so much better than the ones that they are essentially being paid to take in a semi-professional manner that's our phone our phone i mean it's just mind-boggling yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's, you know, obviously there's space limitations. Like it's still kind of, it's pretty criminal that Apple sells iOS devices with 300 or like 32 gigs of space. Yeah, That's, or 16, do they still have the 16? Yeah, they still have a 16 somewhere. Still have a 16. It's pretty gross because, you know, if you did, you know, flip on, I don't know if that, I don't know if the SE does 4K, but you can get 4K now. My wife's phone's got that amazing image stabilization, all that stuff. But like, let's, let's not set this aside quite yet because, like, for example, like, let's start with the computer. This is a 286 um, Tandy 1000 PC. I think I might have had that. Yeah, well, you saved $670, bringing the price down to $1,599 <laughs> for, your, for, your, uh, for your Radio Shack right. PC right. in 1991. Okay, so there's that. No, oh, by the way, it comes with a color monitor. Also, by the way, Radio Shack made computers. Oh, yeah. Try Shady. Oh, and you know, it's got a 20 meg drive. So, um, 20 meg drive. Well, you're and set. You're set. You're set. You, there's no need. No one's ever going to need more than 10 megabytes. Um, and then what else you got here? So the, the cell phone, and it says mobile cellular telephone, and there's a lot of fine print that I can't read, but I'm going to guess this, this amazing 199 price involves an incredibly costly um, service right? Like ongoing service fee. That's got to be hugely subsidized, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we don't need to go on a death march with this, but I would note, uh, and I'm just quoting here from, again, this is in show notes. It's by Steve Sishon um, on Huffington Post. 
He says, uh, so he goes through all of these and gives specific examples of like what comes on your iPhone, like what you can use with your iPhone, all these, et cetera. And he notes here, you'd have spent $3,054.82 in 1991 to buy all the stuff in this ad that you can now do with your phone. That amount is roughly equivalent to about $5,100 in 2012 dollars. Wow. Let's not, let's not abandon this yet. What are you getting with that video camera? You're getting a VHS camcorder. You got to go buy those tapes. You got to put them in. Then what are you going to do? You're going to edit those into a movie? Oh, guess what? Your phone comes with 1080p video. You can edit it on your goddamn phone. Right? Oh, here's a voice answering machine. That's kind of cool. Phone answer, 50 bucks. It's only 50 bucks and you get a phone answering machine. First of all, ah, don't leave me voicemails, but it's all automatic. It goes to Google and then it sends me a transcript. Like it does that for me. That's, that's bananas. Um, the calculator, you flip your thumb up from the bottom of your phone to use the calculator. What? Yeah. Alarms, clocks. You know what? I talk, I talk to my phone now to be reminded of things. Let's just take a moment. Let's just inhale and have a moment where we realize <laughs> that we talk into our cell phone to do all of these things. So you want to get the CD player? This is a pretty good CD player. It's pretty good. This is the deluxe version, the deluxe portable CD player. It's only 160 bucks. Oh, oh, and by the way, then you have to have a, uh, a big uh, folio to carry your CDs around with you <laughs> or listen to one CD at a time. You know, uh, when you break too hard, it skips. <laughs> That's your CD player. Well, right. how about this now? I say to my phone, hey, dingus, play the Hamilton soundtrack and it starts streaming. Or I, you know, or like, uh, or I say, you know, play Liquid Swords by, by Giza and it just starts playing it like out of the air, out of the ether, it starts playing. What I'm trying to get at with all of these things, there, there's two really crucial things here at least, which is first of all, yes, all of these things are all in there. And B, they're all way, way, way better. And like, so this is, this is obviously having a, a huge knock-on effect with places like, well, you know, Kodak, didn't Kodak just flat out go out of business of making, yep. they, they stopped making like Kodachrome, I yeah. think. Because people weren't buying film cameras anymore. 2000, maybe 11, I bought a really, I bought a Canon 7D that we increasingly, we take out about one less time per year to where we're down to like twice a year taking that out. Because what do I do? I get this high-end four-figure camera that I adore. Best camera I've ever owned. Fantastic lenses. I love it. I love it. I love it. I treasure the pictures I've taken with that because they are extremely high quality. You know, you can't just slap a 50 millimeter lens on your phone. It doesn't work that way. But in that case, what do I do? I got all these cards. I got to charge the batteries. I got to take that stuff out. I got to get it on the computer. I got to get it. That's all done automatically now. It's all synced. My computer recognizes faces. When's the last time you saw a red eye in a photo? So anyway, just to get past some of that old man stuff, right? Computer, mobile phone, answering machine, CD player, stereo. Clock radio calculator all in there. Now also today, as somebody noted on Twitter, your calendar. Guess what? Your calendar's on your phone now. We've had calendars before, but now it's on your phone. News, video games, it's all in this one place. So yes, I, I, this is not anything new. I just, I just want us to take a moment and really think about how we always had all of those things, but they weren't nearly as good. They were much more expensive. They were in many different places. And to an item, they all lacked mostly persistent connectivity and connections. And that to me is of, of all of this like hand wringing I've been doing to think about this today. I think that's what it all comes down to. None of this stuff is new, new. Like you've all like for years now, you've been able to shoot video footage of people. It's just, it is, it is, it's taking me years to really sit with how much this has all changed the way that I think and the way that I do right. to have all of that in one place to where I even forget. I forget that I've got a voice recorder on there. 
I even like, remember the week we were all excited about that thing where you can sing to your phone and it knows it's a song. Oh yeah. And like, I have, I, I haven't even opened that since then. That's magic. I've, I've gotten paid by sponsors on this show to write music for this program that I've done completely on an iPad. <laughs> That's, that's mind boggling. And that's all just on there now. So I don't know, I guess I, I'll pause here and take a breath, but th- doesn't that still seem kind of stunning? It does. It really is stunning. There's uh there's so much that we sort of take for granted, but that we went to take for granted in such a very, very short period of time. We went from no iPhone at all to the debate of would people ever really even be able to type on like a software keyboard. And then we kind of skip past that. And now it's like you said, like we're at, you're editing video that you just took into a movie and uploading it to a service and sharing it with the world right away. Like right when it happens that everything that I was listening to you describe in that radio shack ad, not only does it involve getting other things, but it also involves Going, going back home to that hub, your PC, going right. back it, it and does, doing it does it all there. of those. It, it does all of those things mostly in isolation yeah, on separate devices right. that have to be powered, charged, and, and they don't interact with each other. I mean, right, think, right. think about what it used to be like when you first started taking movies of your family and you want to put them together on iMovie where like where you would have to, I would take my little Sony camera that I right. used for the Merlin show, hooked it up with, I want to say Firewire uh, 400. And then I would, I, if memory serves, I would hit play on the camera and it would capture the footage into, into iMovie. Yeah. <laughs> in, in like real time. Yeah. That, doesn't that seem bananas now? Yeah. I mean, you would sit there and wait and so, if you had like, you know, a firewire connection, it maybe could do it faster than real time, but you would have to sit there and, and like everything was a multiple, you know, multiple steps to get to that. To, to get to that end result of I have a movie on my computer that I can now do something with. You couldn't, the idea that you could do it on your phone, take the video, edit the video, add a soundtrack, put text overlays on it. And I'm not saying that that's like the best way to do it. No, people who can make, you know, uh, Final Cut Pro or whatever dance, they're going to have a, a much faster time of it. But even so, like you can do this. You can be a a kid with no computer. Every time I hear that, uh, that's uh, and I know that it it changes from time to time. But there are many many people for whom their smartphone, their iPhone, that is their internet connection. That is their computer. They do that's, everything yeah. on that. They that's their yeah. email. That's their web browser. That's their where they play games. That's that's, everything. that's where we end up. Is it used to be? I mean, that's where this will end up. This discussion is that, you know, and for you and me, we're not near the point where we're not going to have a Mac anymore. That's right. that's for a variety of reasons. That's just a, a dramatic statement with not a lot of meaning. But but I think what we do have to accept, what we should accept, is that you could. There are kids who are going to start school in the next few weeks. They're going to have to college. I feel like. If you have a uh, 9.7 inch iPad Pro and, you know, some peripheral stuff like a keyboard and, you know, cables and all that kind of stuff, I think you're pretty good to go <laughs> Yeah, for college. Like you don't really need a laptop. You're going you're to stream your music from Spotify. You could do all your stuff in Google Docs or even um, Dropbox. 
Most people though, I mean, you do in, you could do it in pages. You could probably just do it in pages. Yeah. Your, your calendar's on there. Everything is on there. So, I mean, whether or not, I think this is a, a frequent, frequent unnecessary source of tension in the tech community is the whole, like, you know, we're never going to need Macs again. Of course we need Macs, you dummy. That's how we make software, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, the, the, the intermediary, at least intermediary thing is the olds like us really should take a moment to realize how much we are still basing our idea of what should be today, at least in some tiny part on how the world was when we started using it. And that's really changed. I, I, um, I don't want to go too deep on like, I, I did a little bit of just Googling around this morning. Um, a guy I went to new college with, um, uh, Brian Lincoln is from Minneapolis and his, he always wore these Cray computer t-shirts and it turned out his dad was a, was a big shot with Cray. And you remember Cray, the, the Cray, supercomputer. The, the Cray XMP in particular. I'm looking here at this uh, very interesting website um, called Processing Power Compared. And it's just visual comparisons about like how much things like hard drives and stuff have changed over time. Um, here's one. You got the Cray 2 supercomputer, 1985, 1.9 gigaflops. Um, Apple iPhone 4, 1.6 gigaflops. That Cray was operating at 244 megahertz. CPU on the iPhone 4 is 800 megahertz. Bottom line, a single iPhone 5 today has 2.7 times the po- processing power of the Cray 2 compute, supercomputer That's in 1985. Unbelievable. You know, email Dan, if I get any part of that wrong, I don't really care. I, I just want to make the point that what used to require a university is now something you buy at the mall <laughs> with money you might have in your wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that I ran across, I was just, I was just thinking like, like, what do you get out of your phone in terms of power? If I'm not doing too much... I'm sitting around, I, I get at least eight hours if I'm not doing anything at all on standby. My God, I get tons of, but I, I usually make it mostly through the day. I, I plug in through the day and then usually have to plug in by seven or eight at night. Remember that uh, PowerBook G3 we had? Yes. Let's assume you got the CD-ROM in, so you're only using one battery. Right. You know what the battery was? 3.5 hours. That was the battery power you that had. The, that was the best in town. Well, too. that's the rated, That well, that was the Steve Jobs number. I don't think I ever got anywhere near three and a half Probably hours. Not. So let's get past all this stuff. But I, I do think it's important, not just for young people to go, oh gosh, grandpa, it sure is interesting how you used to have to crank your own rocking chair. It's not that. It's just more a way of saying like, so much has gotten so much better so fast in so many ways and so broadly that I think it's worth teasing out a little bit of like where we actually are. We got a thing we put in our pocket. I never leave home without my phone. It's, it's always with me. Even if I don't have any plan to use it, it's still there. Like a cell phone in the 90s, yeah, that's the way I can be contacted. But let me jump straight to the chase here. And I'm trying to figure out what it is that's really changed. And I think, you know, give it to you in pigs and bunnies, as I like to say. The main thing is like this little device that's pretty resilient, pretty connected. It's got all this stuff on it. It's got all this stuff that's just there if I need it. Like if I need to find somebody's phone number, that's already on the phone. If I need to find further information, I have lots of places I can go for that. Uh, at least where I live, uh, there's a connection, LTE connection, pretty much anywhere that's faster than Wi-Fi was for me when we first got it. So I feel like that the, when it comes to the ubiquity, first of all, it's like wherever we go, we've got this thing. There's no longer a reason to think, I can't do this right now. Because most of what I need is on there. Almost everything else I need is accessible in some way. If it's not accessible right now, I probably have a way to find something close enough to it. I can Google, I can Yelp, I can map Maps. Oh my God. Yeah. We used to have an, we used to have an Atlas in our car. You know, like when you're a delivery person, you get this, like, you can only get like a local Atlas that shows like street by, you know, pages of like street by street views. That's all on there right now. Oh, by the way, GPS. When's the last time you bought a GPS? We paid or, probably or three, use the one that was, it's built into your car. 
Yeah, so gross. But I mean, we bought a, the last one we bought, we've had two or three. The new V we bought was, I want to say at least 200, probably 300 bucks. Oh, by the way, played MP3s. If you hooked it up with a USB mini, you could put MP3s in there and listen to it on your new V. Pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty cool. If I don't have it, I can find it. And here's, you know, here's you would I, just, you would just take that to your computer. You would upload the songs to it. That's all you got to do. And you then drag you, them into the folder. Yeah, and you take it back out and then you could put that in back into the little thing in your car and then you could connect it to your car's radio with a wire. Sure. And you'd be able to play, you know, two, three, four MP3s. And then she'd say, <sighs> recalculating. <laughs> recalculating. Once again, sir. Oh. Recalculating. And then the thing is, if I can't do it now and I have to do it later, I can talk into my phone and say, remind me about this when I get home. So many of the steps, you're, the Mac is not the hub anymore. Like all the stuff I need is there. And on top of it now, I can VNC into places and do stuff on the computer if I have to. On top, on top, on top, now I've got the Hue lights that'll let me remotely control my freaking lights from the house. If I get a notification that the UPS guy, you get one of those uh, ding dong doorbells and it'll tell you like if the UPS guy is there. Wherever you go, you know something important in the world happens. You not only know that it happened, but you now have a way to get the information you need to decide what to do about it. And so much of the time now, you can with a fair level of confidence know that whatever needs to be accomplished when you're on the road can be done on the road. And even if on the road means on the couch, you, there's no longer as much need to say, well, I need to hop over to the laptop to do this thing. We've got a very capable, I mean, gosh, one of the secret superstars Everybody says this. Gruber's talked about this so much. What the best app on the iPhone? Safari. The fact that Safari is such a capable browser on your phone. I mean, you ever you ever look at a you ever look at a website on a Kindle? Yes, it's the worst. It's not a treat. No. So it's, I guess I I guess I want to open up the discussion to to your thoughts. That's this is where I am. It's just that I want to I want to not lose track of how much stuff had to get really good and integrated. And not crash and not hang and not just go down for no reason. I mean, if something goes really, really down now, I tend to look at Comcast. I tend to go and find out. I will go to the uh, to the page and find out if Comcast is dead or their DNS is dead today. Because the devices themselves are mostly so capable um, that we just don't really have to think about it anymore. Now it becomes like, what do I need to do when I get back to the computer? And I think that is changing the way I think about things. It really is, and it's definitely changing how I think people consider computers in the larger, larger picture. A computer doesn't need to be the thing where you go to do your work or where you go to get stuff done or where, but I am, I'm still a fan of the computer. I still like the computer. I still, I mean, for a lot of things and uh, you know, I still prefer it. I I feel like we shouldn't even have to say that, but we probably do. I, I totally agree. I mean, this is just like one of the oldest old saws to me is like, you know, just because you buy a wallet doesn't mean you get rid of your suitcase. Yeah. Like the different things, trucks and cars. There's a million analogies for this. I, I still, to this day, I would rather type on this DOS keyboard than any other keyboard. So if I have to do a lot of typing, I'd rather do it there. But, you know, I mean, how is that different from a million other things, including like where you prefer to listen to music or how you'd like to read this book? There's we, we need to get out of this age of false dilemmas. I'll, I'll, I want to come back to the Mac in a minute, but I just want to put a line, a uh, line in the sand here. You do not cross. You do not. Oh, by the way, R.I.P. Uh, Big Lebowski. Yeah, I saw that. He passed. Yeah. So many false dilemmas that 
people are continuing to fight. You know, you're like the, uh, you're like the, the Japanese guy on Gilligan's Island. You just don't know the war is over. There's so many people who still want to have these false equivalency, false dilemma arguments about stuff that are totally unnecessary. And, you know, I, but I'm, I want to hear what you say. Cause I agree with you. Like I would rather type, I would rather edit a podcast who knows how that'll change, but this is, I'd rather have this big, beautiful retina screen to do my stuff. I love that. Um, but you know, but think about watching a YouTube video. Where, where would you, where do you want to watch a YouTube video? Wherever I can, I could watch it on my phone in bed. I could pop over to the iPad. I could add it to Plex and watch it on my TV. I could watch it full screen. Oh, by the way, you can watch videos anywhere now. If you think of a line from the Simpsons, you can probably go find it on the internet now, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Hello, 1991. <laughs> I'm waving to you from far away over invisible ghost connections. Do you, do you feel pressure from people to be an iOS only person? Are you, uh, what, what, what's your mm, thought on that? I don't, I wouldn't say I feel any pressure about it, but I definitely, in, I am curious about it. We've talked about how I went on sort of an experiment of could I use my iPad as my primary computer for everything maybe except writing code? And the answer was yes, I could. The answer was also yes, I could, but it's harder. It's a little bit harder. It's not, you know, that famous, uh, now famous quote from Tim Cook saying, you know, I only travel with my iPad now. That's all I bring with me. And if what you're doing is just using sort of the, you know, the suite of applications that Apple makes, you're using pages, you're using Keynote, you're using email and, and browsing. Yeah, like I could totally do it with that. But there is something that's very nice for me about using a computer, especially a laptop. I love laptops. Like my primary machine has been a laptop for a very, very long time. And I really do like the familiarity of the keyboard and the the trackpad and being able to go and, you know what, if I need a shell, I can get a shell. What do you need a shell for? Well, that because that's how I think. And it doesn't mean that I can't be productive on an iOS device. I can. I can be very productive on an iOS device. And I don't mind giving up that control. I remember back in the old days, uh, you know, when people would, uh, when I, I first sort of got really into you know, I had always been using a Mac, but there was a time when I would spend most of my days at work using a Windows machine. I always came back to the Mac at home because it was so straightforward and easy to use. And there were the people in the PC camp were always saying, oh, you can't customize it. You can't do this. You're going to feel out of control. I don't know what I can do. I don't know why it works this way. And they're doing too much for me. And I think we've seen that attitude go away completely. I think we've seen uh, iOS and the the whole nature of iOS and the fact that you remember the old argument. Well, you know, I can't I can't get to the file system on iOS. Like, how do I move files around? Well, you you don't have to move files around. You don't even have to think of it in terms of files anymore. iOS is a huge education for the world about what a computer means and what we can expect a computer to do and you know where things like this are going to be in five years from now. That's still like we don't really see that path. If you go back, I don't know, into the into the early 90s and say predict where we're going to go with computers, where will we be computing in 10 years from now in 2000? One say, well, the computers will be much much faster. The screens will be much brighter and have much higher density and maybe they'll even be smaller. All of this will be smaller and lighter. This 
three-hour battery in my laptop will probably last <laughs> twice as long. But, it, you know, we were... As John Syracuse says, instead of one fax machine, I'll have six fax machines. Right. But, you know, when you think about what's happened, like, that was the way that it was going for a long time. Things were getting faster. We have more RAM. You had more storage, even though none of us could conceptualize why you could possibly need that much storage. You know, it came along, and now we're using it all. And, you know, but but that leap that we took to get to... There is this thing in my pocket that does all of these jobs and it's not doing all of these jobs. Really, it's not because of the apps like Apple always says, oh, it's about the apps. It's from my standpoint, it's still so much more about the hardware, the stuff that we can do if you're wearing an Apple watch, keeping track of your health and reporting it to your phone and, and all of that. The, the camera that's on the phone, the microphone that's on the phone, the microphone in the iPhone is great. The earpiece in the in the iPhone is really, really good. The screen is tremendous. The camera is amazing. You know, even if your iPhone's a couple years old, it's um, still amazing. Mm-hmm. And where we are today is just, we live in this really, really bizarrely cool space of like Dick Tracy stuff. And now we're we are now entering into that same stage that I was just describing about computers is where will we be in 5 or 10 years now with this well phones will be lighter they'll charge faster you won't need cables the screen will continue to get better and higher density the battery will continue to last longer yeah but it's like it's you you're onto it though it's like is it going to be able to run bash faster than your computer <laughs> right um, because you end up in some ways, and I don't mean everybody, but I mean, you know, including me is like, sometimes you find yourself unintentionally, even unconsciously asking the wrong question mm. or asking an unanswerable question. I'm thinking here, um, when, uh, my cousin Vinny now, Ms. Vado, being an expert on general automotive knowledge, can you tell me what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a four, four barrel carburetor? And of course, because Herman Munster is wadeering her, he asks her a trick question that cannot be answered because all she can't answer with a single number. All she can say is that's not true. You're asking me a question that can't be answered. Because as you know, because Chevy didn't make a 327 and 55, the 327 didn't come out till 62 and it wasn't often in the Bel Air with a four-barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct agent timing would be four degrees before top dead center. So when we sit here and go like, and again, let's just make it about cars for another minute. What do you mean I can't change my own spark plugs? Well, you don't really have like, I can't do my own. I can't do my own carburetor. Trick question. You don't have a carburetor anymore. Your car just works now. You don't have to fix your carburetor. You don't have a carburetor. Car just works. Car works. You, you go to car, car works. Car runs. There's no need. There's no need for you to like spend your weekend with the scissor jacks. Like you just get a car now. You just give them, you give them $14,000. You drive away in a car and then it works. And I think I, I, I'm certainly one of those people that goes like, oh, yes, but of course, you know, as you know, actually, there's still going to be all these things you need to do. And yeah, yeah, maybe there will be. So guess what? That's not perfect for you. But like, I remember when that Tim Cook quote came out, mm-hmm. which is what, a year? Yeah. Two ago? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that. I like Tim Cook a lot, but I remember hearing that and going like, bullshit. Right. Like, no way. Right. You're, there's no way a C-level executive doesn't take a laptop when he travels or, or, or has, you know, his Katie Cotton is carrying it for him. Right. Like that's just, that's in, that's disingenuous. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Uh, 
except for the rare occasion where I have to like <laughs> do a talk with a slide projector, I never take my laptop when I travel anymore. <laughs> I only ever take an iPad and it's always fine. It's bananas. And again, I'm not a developer, but I'm here to tell you that like I was skept- I was skeptical when Tim Cook said that, but I absolutely believe that today. Yeah. You know what? He's Tim Cook. He runs Apple. He can probably pop in somewhere and get a computer if he needs one. But what does he need to do? He needs to run Apple. He's he's not he's not building iTunes from source. Right. Like right. he's running the company, which means communicating with people and doing stuff and reading. You know, or even in that Wiener movie last night, everybody's running around with their Blackberries all the time, you know, mostly communicating. That's mostly what people are doing. Like, you know, wake up, Van Hoot. It's no longer about like, it's just about, you know, source code. It's about communicating. It's about interacting. It's about photos, about all that stuff. And these are totally capable devices for doing that stuff. I, I don't have a big point here, except to say I, I love my cousin Vinny. I still think it's a terrific movie. Don't know if she should have won an Oscar. Don't know if she should have won an Oscar, but it, but it's, it's a very good movie. Yeah, the Utes. Yeah, there's something to be said though for the kids uh, that are like our children who are growing up in a world that everything is connected, everything just works, everything just talks to each other, and you know, they're that that the the details of that are not interesting. The way that I think for for us, the details of our car is not really that interesting. Is it fuel injected? Well, yeah, it is. Everything is. So, okay. Like, I don't care about that. Is the car fast? Is it safe? Does it look cool? Is it comfortable to sit in? Does the stereo sound good? That's what I care about. I don't really (laughs) care about what's going on under the hood or or what kind of brakes it has. Just will they stop on a dime? Yes, good. I'm happy. Does the, you know, whole electronic experience still really suck? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's still so much room to go there. We should probably start wrapping this up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's funny because like there's still there's still a lot of stuff that that drives me nuts about iOS, but um, I I there's a bunch of stuff that was pretty wonky for a while that feels pretty tight right now. I mean, my experiences with iCloud have gotten a lot better in the places where it used to be pretty dicey. Right. I'm not saying it's all fixed and over with, but that's gotten a lot better. I wonder if people using it less made it something that was easier to scale eventually, but um. I've had good luck with that. I still get weird stuff. I mean, you know, I haven't run the Photos app. Like the Photos app on iOS, it's going to do facial recognition on device. Yeah. Which, (laughs) it's going to be really interesting on all your different devices. It's going to come up with potentially different results on each one. But that's, you know, that's not perfect, but they're evolving. But the stuff that needs to work really does work. You can go out and for three figures, have a pocket computer that does all of this stuff and I think that's changing the way that we work. I think this is, this is of all the things we talk about, this has got to be, is, as poorly as I'm articulating it here, I think this is the biggest change, is that now we've got this thing and it really does mostly work. And it really is dependable enough that you don't feel like you have to always bring a laptop. You don't have to bring an Atlas. You don't even have to bring a boombox. Like, you will be okay with what you've got on that phone. And I think we can trust that in a way that would have been unguessable 12 or 15 years ago. So true. And I wonder, you know, what, what should we be looking for next? Not just smaller, not just faster, but what? Well, back to um, what we talked about five hours ago with, you know, home automation. <laughs> yeah. Like that is the point, you, you know, just as a, as a kind of example or, or an analogy, I'm not sure. But like, boy, that's really still like for hobbyists. It's for, it's for hobbyists with money to burn 
to get into that stuff. It's, it's, you know, you could go out today and get, what's it called? An iPhone SE. Like if you're, if you just want to like a pretty cheap phone that does stuff, like you got an Apple phone, dude, for like that amount of money. That's crazy. There's not an analog today. And then you've also got the challenge of, I, lots of people talked about this. Again, I think Gruber has talked about this in particular. It's strange to be at a time. Well, first of all, it's very strange to be at a time where you really want to talk your friends out of buying Apple computers right now. For the next couple months, I really don't recommend buying any Mac, especially most Macs. But it's not a <laughs> any great Mac, t- especially most, especially most. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're pretty positive that you know you've used your friend's uh, MacBook One and you're okay with all of those constraints and like the size and everything, good. You know, Hakuna Matata. That's going to get better. They're all going to get better. They better get better. <laughs> that Mac Rumors buying guide is ugly mm. right now. There's a lot. I don't think Tim Cook would be happy about how much red is all on that page red. right now. All red. So on the one hand, you go like, oh God, what, what laptop should I buy? Uh, how about none? Should you get a MacBook Pro? Uh, should I get a Mac Pro? Oh, what, that one from like 1977 that's got Kermit the Frog on it? They haven't updated it in like three years. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. So which iPad should I get? Ugh. That's a complicated question. Uh, it depends. It depends. It depends. I mean, you know, it's who could be sad about having this embarrassment of options, but, uh, but it is, it is definitely still a strange time to, to where, where you would jump in, especially as a newbie. So as far as what to expect next, I, maybe this is just my wishful thinking, but I still hope there is more wider and more subtle use of what I guess I'll call AI or machine learning. I wanted to learn how to do smart stuff for me and I don't want it to be a, like a parlor trick. I wanted to like figure out stuff in a smart and subtle way. I wanted to learn quietly and then be quietly useful. I don't, I don't want it to just be, you know, you know what I mean? I don't want it to be cute. Like Siri can be sometimes. Yeah. I still feel like there's- I hate that. I'm sorry. I, that's nothing is worse to me than when Siri tries to have some kind of mock personality. I just really don't like that. I don't like the cute answers. I don't like the jokes. I don't, you know, if I want to say, hey, computer, tell me a joke, fine. But when I interact with you, I just want in straightforward information. It's, it's not funny. It's not cute. It, it, it doesn't make me think it's alive. It makes me roll my eyes and want yeah. to never use Siri again, ever. Let me, let me see if I can replicate this one. How old was Queen Elizabeth II in 1969? Hey, it got it this time. It will from me. But so we were watching, um, we were watching that terrible Minions movie. Oh yeah, sure. And I was, I was wondering how my old the kids Queen love that. that. Pretty much everything I was asking, and I don't know if this is, I just got hound on the brain or something, but like all the questions I was asking, I would go, well, "That's an interesting question, Merlin." It's like, dude. Yeah. Like that doesn't make you sound smart. And like, it's, I don't know. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, but you know, but there are so many things where like we episodes we've done in the last one to three years where we've had like freaking data dedicated episodes to bitch about something in the Apple world. Yeah. Well, you know, now get ready for the talk because I think a lot of that stuff has gotten better. And I think, I think Siri recognition, I think I now more and more, I know you love the, uh, I feel like I know that you love the, um, you know, talking to the phone, the dictation. Yeah. Boy, I've had great success with that. And it's, I'm finding again, pound for pound, that just talking to the computer, even allowing for the time it takes to fix that, like fix a typo or whatever. Right. It's, sure. It's still about twice as fast as typing. 
it's really my favorite thing. And you don't get any serious fake yeah. dumb jokes, quote unquote. Yeah, whatever. What else do we expect? I don't know. I think we should continue our series. I think there's other things to talk about. Um I um I would love to talk about um uh, well let me look at my ideas. I think I would love to talk about media consumption. Hmm. The difference in how we get and consume media. I like that. Uh, in the last, you know, twelve or fifteen years. Um I had some philosophical ideas for things to uh, just talk about how we think differently about things that maybe aren't about technology, but right. like part of maybe getting older, maybe having kids, but looking at stuff differently. But I like the series. I'd like to continue. I would love that. Doing it. Anything else for this week? From me? No. Me? No. Me? No. I think our show art should include Marissa Tomei. I, I think. Oh, I think here's her getting sworn in. Here's her getting sworn in. I love that. She's so good in that. I think we're helping a lot of people. Yeah. You're talking about okay. when in, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. When she's getting sworn in, when she's got, got that, mm, she's got that, like that sassy look. Did you see her in the wrestler? Oh, right. She's in the wrestler. Oh, I've, look at this. Is, 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 is she naked in that? Just let Looks me like put she... it this way. Take some time for yourself tonight. See the movie. I like the wrestler. Have you not seen it? Not my board. <laughs> not my board. I think I did see it. I did see it. I remember liking him and then I forgot that she is in it. She, is she in Spider-Man too? Is she like Aunt May? You forgot she was in it. She's the whole movie. Oh, I should watch that again. Yeah. 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 Okay. Adding it. Adding it. Yeah. You watch Wiener. I'll, I'll watch, watch Wiener. You watch, uh, you watch the wrestler. No time to argue. Throw me the head. I throw you the wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, let's button this up. I All love right. you. Love you too, Merlin, man.